You coming to bed, hon? Yep, honey, I'll be right there. Just got to turn out the light. Ow! Ow! Some things never change. Like your kids always leaving tiny toys on the floor for you to step on. And Geico saving folks lots of money on their car insurance. Sweetie, I think I left the downstairs light on. P- please don't make me go. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. We're going to be learning Chidusha Rabbeinu Chaim Halevi, the third piece in Hilchos Machalos Asuros. This is Perek Dalid Halacha Gimel. And the issue that Rab Chaim's dealing with is regarding a nivela, an animal which dies on its own. So it's not kosher to be eaten. It was not shechted properly. At what point do we consider that a beria, which means that it's a full unit in and of itself? The Rambam writes, Ha'ochel of Tohor Chai. If someone eats a living kosher bird, so it's prohibited because it's still alive. But if it's a small bird and they eat the whole thing, then kol shehu loke mishum ochel nevela. Even if it's a small amount, it doesn't have the measurement of a kazayis, of an olive size, which is the usual measurement in order to be punished. But if somebody ate a bird which was very small, it was smaller than an olive size, they ate the whole bird, then they still get punished from the prohibition of eating a nevela, even though there wasn't a kazayis, because they ate the whole bird, that's what we call a beria, it's a full unit, and therefore they could get punished, it's an exception to the rule that in general a person needs to eat a kazayis a measurement. Now, let's say the bird already died, then says the Rambam, then there would have to be a kazayis in order to get punished. Even if there isn't a kazayis of meat, if there's a kazayis in the whole bird, including the bones, including any other part of the bird, then of mishum nevela. So the Rambam says two things here. First is that if someone eats a live bird, no matter what size it is, even if it's tiny, it's much smaller than an olive size, they still get punished because of the prohibition against eating a nevela. And second of all, if that bird is dead and then they eat the bird, then they would have to have a minimum of kazayis, but it doesn't have to be a kazayis of meat, it could be a kazayis including the bones and any other part of the bird. Now, Reb Chaim asks that this Rambam is really... Very puzzling, because what does a live bird have anything to do with a nevela? Nevela is a prohibition against eating a bird that died without shrita. What does that have anything to do with eating a live bird? And uh, he says the Lecha Mishnah already asks this question. So in order to answer this, Rab Chaim says that the Rambam is not talking about a standard case a regular live bird. He's talking about a very specific bird, which is a case of nevela mechayim. It's a nevela even though it's still alive. And the Rambam himself in Helchoshchita, Paragimel Halacha Yutes, discusses this case when there's a problem with one of the pipes of the bird. So it's not going to be able to be shechted. So even though the bird right now is alive, but it's still a nevela. It's called a nevela mechayim. It's a living nevela. So the Rambam is talking about specifically in that case and says, Rab Chaim, that's why he calls this bird a nevela, even though it is biologically alive, but halachically it has the status of a nevela because one of its pipes has been ruined and it won't be able to be shechted. So that explains how the Rambam applies the halacha of nevela in this case of the bird.
Now, the reason the Rambam omits any mention of this whole thing is because he's coming here to teach us a totally different halacha. This is not the section where he's dealing with the laws of Nevela Mechayim. He's telling us a halacha in the shear, in the measurement. And the Rambam is telling us that if the bird is alive when the person eats it, then we view it as a beria. That's the halacha, that even if the two pipes were shechted, or most of the two pipes, still we consider this bird to be living. So even though this bird is an Avela Mechaim, but it's uh, still a living bird, so it's considered a beria. If you eat the whole thing, it's a, its own unit. And therefore, it's an exception to the general rule that you need a kazayas here, any amount, uh, no matter how small the bird is, if the person eats the whole thing, then they're going to be punished for having eaten a beria. So that's the main thing the Rambam is coming to teach us. And he's coming to distinguish that this is different than after the bird dies, when there's no longer the birias nishama. It doesn't have that living entity quality to it, which is a higher form of a beria. So in that case, even though a person ate the whole bird, once it's dead, it would have to have a minimum of a kazayas. So that is the main focus of the Rambam here, to teach us that distinction that a living bird does not need a kazayas because it has birias nishama, so it has the living quality which makes it a full unit. But the dead bird, even if someone ate the whole thing, it is a beria, but it's not a birias nishama, it's not a living beria, and therefore it would need to have a minimum of a kazayas. But in truth, says Rab Chaim, all of this would only apply in the very specific case of the Nevela Mechaim. It does not apply to a regular bird. A regular living kosher bird is not under the category of a Nevela. And the reason the Rambam made no mention of this major qualification here is because the whole parak is talking about a Nevela. So it's understood that the reference here would have to be to some sort of living bird, which is a Nevela Mechaim. But the Rambam's not going to go into those details because he's relying on what he wrote in Halchoshchita, where he defines what a Nevela is. So it's understood that in order to understand the context of this parak Dalit in Hilchos Macholos Asuros, if you want to know what's being read, referenced in the laws of Nevela, you would look in Helchoshchita, Perak Gimel. So that's Rab Chaim's approach to answer the Lecha Mishnah's question, how did the Rambam apply Nevela to a living bird? The answer is it's talking about this specific case of Nevela Mechaim, and the main focus of the Rambam is elsewhere on what, how much of a measurement is required in order to be punished. Now, later on in Halacha Yudches, the Rambam says that if someone eats part of a Nevela, then the kazayis has to be only from the meat. It cannot come from the veins or the bones or any other part of the nevela. It has to be a kazayis of meat in order to be punished. So this contradicts explicitly what the Rambam said here in Halacha Gimel, that the kazayis of the dead bird can include both the meat and the bones. And later on in Halacha Yudches, he says it has to be a kazayis from the meat alone. And Rab Chaim doesn't point it out, but this also the Lecha Mishnah asks. So Rab Chaim explains that the difference is that in the case in Halacha Gimel, the person ate a full bird, so that's a beria. So that's why the bones and the meat together can combine in order to make the kazayas to punish them. Whereas in Halacha Yudches, the person only ate a part of the nevela, so therefore it has to be a full kazayas from the meat alone. There's no beria in that case. But, says Rab Chaim, if there's a beria in this case in Halacha Gimel where they ate the full bird, then why do you need a kazayas at all? Even if the dead bird 
was much smaller than a kazayas. Once they ate the whole thing, then they should get punished because this person ate a berry. And if furthermore, what is the distinction between the first halacha and the second halacha? The Rambam applies the laws of beria only to the living bird. But the dead bird is also a beria because the person ate the full bird. So Rab Chaim says it must be that the Rambam held that there's a key difference between a beria which is alive, which has the birias neshama. It's a living entity that was eaten entirely. There, there is no requirement for any measurement, any shear whatsoever, even the smallest bird. So long as the person ate the full living bird, they would get punished. But if it's a dead bird, even though it is a beria, but it's not a high level of the birias neshama, the living beria, it's a dead beria. So in that case, it would have to have at least a kazayas. There is a requirement of a minimum amount, but it doesn't have to be a full kazayas from the meat. It can be a kazayas from the meat and the bones together. If it wouldn't be a birria at all, in other words, if someone would just eat part of a piece of a nevela, then they would require a kazayas from the meat alone. So there's three categories, the way Rab Chaim sets up the Rambam. There's a living birria, below that is a dead birria, and below that is eating a section of a piece of nevela. And Rab Chaim proves this idea from the Gemara and Chulun and Dafkuf Beis, says that with regard to Aver Min a limb of a living animal, that it is a beria, but there has to be a minimum shear for punishment, there has to be a kazayis, but that kazayis is evaluated including all of the bones and veins, everything and the meat can all be combined in order to create that kazayis. So this is exactly what the Rambam said, that when it comes to a non-living beria, there is a requirement of a shior, and the reason for that is because the Torah says achila, there has to be an act of eating, which is at minimum eating a kazayis, less than that is not considered an act of eating in halacha. But if it's a beria, then we say that the bones are included in the kazayis along with the meat. If it's not a beria, then the bones would not be included in that kazayis. Now, in the parentheses, Rab Chaim asks that the Gemara in Chulun on Daf Vav says that when it comes to the Gid Hanasha, the section of the animal which is usher to be eaten, so if someone eats the whole thing, it's a beria, and even if there's no kazayis, they would get punished. So this goes against what Rab Chaim's been saying, that if the beria is dead, then it requires a kazayis. The Gid Hanasha is dead, but still it doesn't require a kazayis because it's a beria. So the question is, what's the difference between Gid Hanasha versus eating a dead bird or an Eber Minachai? All of those cases are a beria, but in the dead bird or the Eber Minachai, there has to be a kazayis in order to get punished, whereas in the Gid Hanasha, any amount gets punished. So Rab Chaim explains that if you look at the way the Torah describes these prohibitions, then it makes sense. The Gemara says that when it comes to the Gid Hanasha, the Torah says achila, that there has to be an act of eating, which teaches us that even if this Gid Hanasha is big, there's four or five olive sizes in there, and this person only eats one olive size, one kazayas, so it's a fourth or a fifth of the whole Gid Hanasha, they still get punished.
So the word achila is coming to teach us that even if only a part of the gid hanoshe is eaten, the person still gets punished. And the reason is because when the Torah originally described the prohibition of the gid hanoshe, it said, lo yochlu es gid hanoshe. Don't eat the gid hanoshe, which sounds like the person only gets punished if they eat the whole gid hanoshe. So that's why the word achila needs to tell us that it's not only if someone eats the whole gid hanoshe, but even if they eat a part of the gid hanoshe. But when it comes to the nevela, then it's actually the opposite. The Torah says lo sochlu kol nevela, don't eat any nevela, which indicates whether they eat the whole nevela or just a portion of the nevela, either way they get punished. So when the Torah said the word achila in that context, it's obvious that it means even a section of it. What it's coming to teach us is that they must have at least a kazayas in it. So that's why there's a difference between Nevela and the Gid Hanoshe, because the word Achila, when it comes to the Gid Hanoshe, is coming to tell us, even if it's a section of the Gid Hanoshe, but it doesn't explicitly say that it has to have a Kazayis. So if it's a full Gid Hanoshe, the person would get punished even if it's less than a kazayis. Only if they're eating a portion of the Gidhan Nasha do they have to have a kazayis. But when it comes to Nevela, the baseline implication is that any portion of the Nevela would be prohibited. So when the Torah says Achila, it's coming to tell us that there has to be a kazayis, which is why even if the person eats a beria, if it's a dead beria, then they need to have a kazayis. So that explains the Gid Hanosha and the Nevela. What about Eber Min Hachai, the third group in this category? So Rab Chaim quotes that Tosos and Chulin actually basically asks this question, why when it comes to Eber Min Hachai, does someone have to eat a Kazayis because the Torah says Achila and the minimum of eating is a Kazayis, less than that we won't punish them. Why don't we say that Achila is just to tell us that even if someone ate a portion of the Eber Min Hachai, they get punished the same way the Gemara applied it in Gidhan Nasha. So Tosos answers that it won't work to apply the word Achila to Eber Minachai the same as Gidhan Nasha. And the reason is, he says, based on a Gemara in Chulan and Davkuf Gimel, that once the Eber Minachai is split up, it's already no longer considered an Eber Minachai. So the word Achila cannot be teaching us that a portion of the Eber Minachai is still the Eber Minachai because that's not true. So it must be that the word Achila is coming to say that there has to be a Kazayis, the same as we applied it in Nevela, that even if it's a Beria, it would have to have a Kazayis in order to be punished. That's Tosus' approach. But Rab Chaim points out that that does not work in the Rambam, because the Rambam in Hilchus Machos Asuros in Parak Hay holds, unlike Tosvos, that a portion, a partial Eber Minachai is also considered Eber Minachai. So according to the Rambam, Eber Minachai and Gid Hanoshe are the same in that we could apply the word Achila in both cases as teaching us that even a section of the Eber Minachai or the Gid Hanoshe, the person gets punished for. 
So how does the Rambam answer this question? So Rab Chaim explains that again, the Rambam read the Pasuk in the Torah. It says, Lo sochal hanefesh im habasar. So it sounds like don't eat even a part of the meat of a living animal. So the implication of the Torah, the baseline is that even a section of the Abraham in Hachai is prohibited. So we don't need Achila to come teach us that. And the word Achila is teaching us that there has to be a Kazayas. So that's why Abraham in Hachai is similar to Nevela, and it's not like Gid Hanasha because it's the same as Nevela, where the implication of the Pasuk is that even a portion of it would be prohibited, and therefore the word Achila is teaching us that it has to have a shear of a Kazayas, even if it's a Beria, so long as it's not a living Beria. So that's Reb Chaim's analysis in the parentheses to explain the root of the differences between Gid Hanasha versus Eber Minachai and Nevela. Now, he ends the second paragraph by pointing out that this distinction between a living beria and a dead beria is in the Gemara in Makos and Dafyid Zion, where the Rabbanan hold that a living beria, a birias neshama, is considered a, its own unit, but a, a stalk of wheat would not be considered a beria because it's not alive. So that Gemara already identifies the difference between a living beria versus a dead one, and Rab Chaim's applying it here in the Rambam to explain the difference between the case of the living bird and the dead bird. But now Rab Chaim asks on this Rambam, why should this bird be considered a beria at all? Why should an avela be different than other prohibitions like chelev, the fats, or a trefa, an animal which got injured, or arla, the fruit of the first three years of the tree, or klai hakerem, the fruit that comes from mixing seeds? In all of those cases, we don't apply the laws of Beria. So why should it be applied to Nevela? And he quotes that the Rishonim ask the same question when it comes to the Gid Hanosha and the Eber Min Hachai, which we saw before from the Gemara and Chulin, that those are treated as a Beria. Why should those be different from the other Isurim where we don't apply the rules of Beria? So the Rishonim explained that it depends on the following factor. If you would split this food, would it retain its name, the same name and status, or not? If it's split, it loses its name. So a Gidhan Nasha, for example, is only called the Gidhan Nasha when it's full. If it's cut up, so a section of a Gidhanosha is not called the Gidhanosha. Same thing with an Eber Minachai. Once it's cut up, a piece of Eber Minachai is not called an Eber Minachai. So in those two cases, when it's full, we consider it a beria because there's something different about it when it's full versus if it were to be cut. As opposed to the other cases of a chelev or arla or trefa, those types of isurim, even if they were to be cut, the same prohibition would still be called on it. And therefore, it doesn't matter whether it's full or not. We don't apply the halachas of beria either way. But it says Rab Chaim, this approach is not going to help us when it comes to the Rambam applying nevela in the case of this bird. Because a nevela applies even if it's cut up. So even if this bird were to be cut up, it was no longer a beria, it would still be considered a nevela, and still the Rambam applies the laws of nevela. According to the Rishonim's approach, if it would retain its name, its status in halacha, even if it were to be cut up, then we don't apply the laws of beria. And here the Rambam does apply the laws of beria in a... You coming to bed, hon? Yep, honey, I'll be right there. Just got to turn out the light. Ow! Ow!
go. Some things never change, like your kids always leaving tiny toys on the floor for you to step on, and Geico saving folks lots of money on their car insurance. Sweetie, I think I left the downstairs light on. P- please don't make me go. Fifteen minutes could save you fifteen percent or more. Case where even if it would be cut up, it would still retain the same status. So Reb Chaim says that the Rambam has a whole different approach to this issue, which is based on the Rambam later on in Hilchos Machos Asuros in Parak Hey Halacha Gimel, where he's discussing Eber Min Achai, and the Rambam writes Chatach Min Ha'Eber Basar Kibriyaso Vigidin Vatsamos Kazayis. And most of the printed editions of the Rambam seem to have a little bit of a different version, uh, which is Chatach min ha'ever kibriyoso basar v'gidin v'atzamos. But either way, Rab Chaim's version is out there. Uh, the Rambam is saying that if someone cut off while the animal was alive a piece of the Eber min ha'chai with a kazayis together from everything, the meat and the bones and the veins, everything together, then they get punished. Even though there's only a little bit of meat and the kazayas is coming from the bones and other things. But if the aver minachai, the limb, was removed from the living animal. And then he did a second separation, which is, He took the meat away from the bones. Then he would need to eat a kazayas from the meat alone to be punished. But the bones would not be combined for the kazayas. They would not be part of that measurement because he changed it from the way it was created after it was already removed from the animal. And similarly, he cut up this limb, he ate a little bit, he would not be obligated until he eats a kazayis of the meat alone. So the Rambam is distinguishing that if a person just took off the limb from the living animal and then ate it, then they would combine the meat and the bones together. But if they further separated it after the limb was removed from the animal, then there has to be a kazayis of meat alone in order to be punished. This comes from the Gemara in Chulun and Davkuv Gimel. The Gemara says that boy minei Rabshun ben Lakish mei Rabbi Yochanan cholkom ibachutz mahu. Reish Lakish asked Rabbi Yochanan what would happen if he cut up the Avram in Achai. And Amar Lei Potter, he said that he would be Potter, he would not be punished. So the Rishonim understand that the reason, according to Rabbi Yochanan, he's Potter, is because there is no more Eber Min Hachai once he cuts it up. That's what we quoted from Tosos before. Once an Eber Min Hachai is cut up, it loses the prohibition of Eber Min Hachai, meaning a piece of an Eber Min Hachai is not considered Eber Min Hachai, only a full limb is considered Eber Min Hachai. But, says Rab Chaim, the Rambam has a whole different reading of this Gemara in Chulin. He holds that even if an Eber Min Hachai is split up, it's still considered an Eber Min Hachai. There is no halacha that only a full Eber Min Hachai is considered Eber Min Hachai. According to the Rambam, what the Gemara is saying is with regard to punishing someone for eating a kazayis which is combined of both the meat and 
and the bones. So there the Gemara says that's only if it's a full limb, it's a full Abraham in it hasn't been touched, it hasn't been cut, then we combine both the meat and the bones together in order to make the Kazayas measurement and to punish the person. But if it's been split, after it was already Eber uh, Minachai, it was removed from the living animal, then we no longer combine the meat and the bones together to make the kazayas, but in order to punish the person, they would have to eat a kazayas of meat alone. So it's with regard to that more limited halacha that the Gemara is saying that once an Eber Minachai is cut up, then we treat it differently, and we no longer consider the bones as part of the kazayas for the punishment of the Eber Menachai. But the Gemara is not saying a blanket rule that once the Eber Menachai is cut up, it's no longer considered an Eber Menachai. According to the Rambam, it's still an Eber Menachai and we punish the person. But when it comes to the Shior, we no longer include the bones in it. We only take the actual prohibition, which is the meat itself. And in order to punish the person, the full Shior, the Kazayis, would have to come from that meat, which is the actual Eber Menachai. You can't include the bones anymore the way we would have if it had not been touched once the limb was cut. Now, with regard to this halacha of the Rambam, that the bones are also part of the kazayas if it hasn't been touched, if it's still a beria, so Rab Chaim wants to understand, how do we understand this halacha at its core? Is it that when it comes to Eber Min Hachai, the Torah included the bones are also part of the prohibition of eating the Eber Min Hachai? The prohibition of the Torah is not only on the meat, it's also on the bones, but only if they're in their natural state. Once it's been tampered with, then the bones are no longer part of the kazayas to punish someone for Eber Min Hachai. Or do we say the other way, that the bones are never part of the prohibition of Eber Min Hachai. Like all Isurim, Eber Min Hachai is only on the meat. But if it's a beria in its natural state, then that creates a combination, a tziruf, it puts together the meat with the bones, and therefore the bones are part of the kazayas. But the bones themselves are never usr, they can only be together with the meat in the kazayas if there's a natural beria. So this is the key question Rab Chaim's exploring is Eber Min Hachai applicable also to the bones, or does it never apply to the bones, it's only on the meat? The whole halacha of Beria only creates this combination where the bones are included in the shior because they're part of a Beria. Now, Reb Chaim proves that it's the second option, that the bones themselves are never usr, and this is from the last line in the Rambam that we just quoted in Hilchus Machos Asur's Parak Hay. At the end, the Rambam had a, a sort of third case, which was Cholkola Ever. If the person cut the Ever, it's different than the second case we had discussed, where the Rambam says that you took the meat away from the bones, so the meat and the bones have now been separated, there the Rambam said that only the meat counts for the kazayas. And then the Rambam said a sort of related halacha, which is if the aver, the limb, is cut, so the meat is not separated from the bones, but each section is just cut right there, so there's meat and bones in each section in their original state. And the way Rab Chaim reads this, so if there's a kazayas in that piece, then the person would be punished which shows us that it's still considered a barrier because it's still in the natural state that the animal was. It has not been separated. It's just been cut. But 
even so, the Rambam said very clearly that if there's less than a kazayis in each little piece, then the person would not be punished until they eat a kazayis of just meat alone, but we would not combine the bones with the meat of two different pieces in order to make that kazayis and punish them, meaning the beria does not extend beyond that one little piece to that second piece. It cannot combine two pieces together in order to create the kazayis. Now, Reb Chaim points out, if we say that there is an actual prohibition on the bones themselves, meaning since they're part of a beria, they're in their natural state, therefore the bones are inherently usser, then why shouldn't we combine two different pieces? Even though they've been cut in the middle, but each piece is in its natural state, each piece is still a beria, and the bones from one should be able to combine with the meat and bones of another piece in order to count the kazayas. There is no reason to say that just because these pieces have been cut, they can no longer be combined together. In other words, each piece itself is a beria, which makes the bones of each piece inherently usser, and therefore they should be able to combine the bones of two pieces to count towards the kazayas. The fact that they don't count according to the Rambam, rather each piece alone is a beria, and if there's enough within the piece to be a kazayas, then the person would be punished. But it can't combine with any other piece, so that shows us like the second option, that this is all a halacha in combining the bones and the meat. It has nothing to do with the bones inherently being asr. The bones are never asr. The bones are just combined with the meat, to be part of the kazayas if it's a natural barrier. So once they've been cut, then you can't start combining the bones of one piece with the meat and bones of another piece in order to contribute towards the kazayas and in order to punish the person who eats from two different pieces which don't get combined. So they would need to eat a full kazayas of meat where we don't need any of these halachas of combining. The whole halacha that you need the beria to combine it only applies to the bones which are not actually usser. But the meat which is actually usser, no matter how many pieces it's cut into, once someone eats enough meat that it's a kazayas, then they would get punished. So this, according to Rab Chaim, proves like the second option, that the bones are never usser, and the halacha of beria creates a combination between the bones and the meat, but the meat is what's inherently usser. Now, Reb Chaim proves like the Rambam's position against Tosvos that even once the Eber Minachai is cut up, it still retains the Isra of Eber Minachai from a Gemar in Chulin. The Gemar quotes Ravin that if someone cut up Eber Minachai and there's less than a Kazayis, then they're putter. But mibifnim, if they eat it, let's say their teeth chew up the Eber Minachai so that it's now less than a Kazayis. So the Gemara quotes Machlokas, Rabbi Yochanan holds that they're Chayiv because their throat still benefits from the full Kazayis, even though their teeth cut it up. And Reish Lakish said that their putter because the benefit of the kazayas has to be in the stomach, and here the stomach didn't get the full kazayas at once. So that's the machlokas, Rabbi Yochanan Reish Lakish, if the teeth cut up the Eber Minachai, do we look at the throat or do we look at the stomach? Says Rab Chaim, according to Tosvos, that once the Eber Minachai is cut up, it's no longer an Eber Minachai, it loses the whole status of being prohibited. So what does it matter whether it's cut up outside or it's cut up by the teeth? Either way, as soon as the teeth cut the Eber Minachai, it's no longer prohibited. 
And in addition, the Gemara says that the whole issue depends on which part of the body has to enjoy the kazais, the throat or the stomach. But if it loses the whole status, it has nothing to do with whether there's a kazais in the throat or the stomach. This is no longer Eber Min HaChai. So from here, says Rab Chaim, the Rambam derived his approach, which is that even once the Eber Min HaChai is cut up, it still retains its Isur. The only question is whether it can be combined with other parts of the Eber Min HaChai, which in general means can the bones be combined with the meat, but in the case where it's cut up by the teeth, it's different because the different parts of the Eber Min HaChai have already been combined by being in the mouth. And Rab Chaim quotes the Gemara in Chulin that if the meat is in the area of the tongue, so it's between the throat and the stomach, it has not gone down yet, so that would combine with other parts of the Abraham in Hachai. So you see that once it goes into the mouth, the mouth is able to combine these different parts. So that's why, according to Rabbi Yochanan, we still combine these Abraham in Hachai sections with each other even after the teeth have cut them up. But Reish Lakish disagrees because he holds that there has to be a kazayis in the stomach. But the whole issue centers on the issue of a kazayis, not on the issue of whether or not it's an Eber Min Hachai. So if you hold that an Eber Min Hachai, which is cut, loses the status of Eber Min Hachai, this Gemara is difficult. Why is it focused on the issue of a kazayis when it's not even prohibited? But according to the Shittas HaRambam, it still is usur as an Eber Min Hachai. So the issue only becomes in order to punish this person does the mouth or the throat need the kazayas and in other cases the issue would be can the bones still combine with the meat and that would depend on whether it's still a barrier it's in its natural state or not so that's Rabbi Chaim's explanation of the Rambam's approach now using what we learned so far Rabbi Chaim comes back to the halachas of Nevela with which we began and he says that now we can make sense we can answer one of the questions that he asked at the beginning and that is why is there a difference between a nevela if you eat the whole barrier, that then the meat and the bones all combine to be part of the kazayas, as opposed to if someone just eats one piece of a nevela, it's not a barrier, then it has to have a kazayas of meat, but the bones don't count towards the kazayas. Says Rab Chaim that according to the Shittas HaRambam, this now makes sense, because as we just saw, the Rambam holds when it comes to Eber Min HaChai that there is no separate independent prohibition on the bones also. It's only on the meat. But if it's a barrier, then the bones combine with the meat to count towards the kazayas. So since that's the explanation of the Rambam, that's not specific only to Eber Min HaChai, but we could say easily that that applies to other Isurim, including Nevela, and that's why the Rambam holds the same thing when it comes to Nevela, meaning he borrows the model from Eber Min HaChai and he applies it to Nevela, that if it's a barrier, so someone ate the full Nevela, then the bones combine with the meat and they are part of the Kazayis. But if it's not a barrier, same as Eber Min HaChai, then the bones don't count because they're not inherently independently usser. Now, the only discrepancy between Nevela and Eber Min HaChai is going to be that when it comes to Nevela, a barrier means it's the full animal. If it's any part of the animal, the Rambam says it's no longer a barrier. But when it comes to Eber Min HaChai, it automatically is cut off. It's a piece of the animal, one limb, and according to the Rambam, that's still a barrier. So in order to explain the discrepancy, Rab Chaim says a big chiddish, 
which is that a nevela only applies to a full animal. Anything less than a full animal doesn't fall under the category of nevela, it's only a trefa. The difference between a nevela and a trefa in general is a nevela dies on its own without shechita, whereas a trefa does have shechita, but it was disqualified from shechita because it was injured in a significant way. So the shechita doesn't allow you to go ahead and eat it, although it does make it that it does not create tuma, it does not create impurity. So the Rambam holds that the status of trefa applies to any piece. A piece of an animal cannot be a nevela. And Rab Chaim proves this because the Rambam in Hilchs Macholos Asuros, Parak Dalet Halacha Yud, says that if you cut meat off, not a limb, but a piece of meat from an animal, so that is considered a trefa. It's not a separate prohibition, but it's the same as a trefa. Just like a trefa is meat which doesn't have shechita, so too this does not have a proper shechita. And based on that, the Rambam continues in Parak Dalet Halacha Yud Zayin, where he says that you can combine a half a kazais of a nevela and a half a kazais of a trefa and punish the person, even though they're two different isurim. So the Rambam says that in a case where it was half a kazais of meat which was cut off of an animal and half of a kazais of a nevela, you could combine that too to one kazais and punish the person because again, it's based on the idea that meat which is cut off of an animal has the status of a trefa and that combines with a nevela. Says Rab Chaim, why is this meat considered a trefa and not a nevela? It's more similar to a nevela that just died and had no shechita. This meat was just cut off. Must be that it can't be a nevela because it's not a complete animal. Only a complete animal can have the status of a nevela, but a piece of an animal like this piece of meat is a trefa. So that's why the Rambam calls a piece which is cut off a trefa. So now based on this big chiddish, it makes perfect sense the Rambam's halachas when it comes to nevela. If it's a full animal, it's a little bird, and the person eats the whole thing, so then it's a beria, and it's considered a nevela. And any time it's a beria, we combine the bones with the meat for the kazayas. So in that case also, both the bones and the meat count towards the kazayas. And again, that's based on the halachas of Eber Min Hachai, because it's not a special halacha of Eber Min Hachai that bones are usser, but it's a halacha that a beria creates a combination between the bones and the meat. But once it's a piece of the nevela, so then it's not in the state in which it would have become prohibited as a nevela originally, because again, nevela only applies to a full animal. This piece could not be a nevela, and therefore it automatically loses the status of a beria, and therefore only the meat counts towards the kazayis, not the bones or anything else. So that's why it's different than Eber Min Hachai, which does not lose its status by having been cut off of the animal because a piece... Cloud is powering tomorrow's transformative missions. Federal agencies are partnering with SAIC to help them meet these critical moments where bold moves require confident blueprints, where you can accelerate transformation through consistency, where you can innovate forward and never look back. SAIC quickly and securely migrates large-scale workloads to the cloud with the confidence you need to assure your mission. Learn more at saic.com slash cloud. One limb of an animal 
is still an Eber Min Hachai, and therefore it's still considered a barrier for these halachas. And finally, one last point to wrap up Rab Chaim's approach in the Rambam. He had asked before that the Rishonim make a distinction between Gid Anosh and Eber Min Hachai versus other Isurim like Chelev and Trefa and Orla and Klaim, that when do we apply the rules of the Beria is only if this piece would be cut, it would lose its status. So then we say that the barrier is a significant thing. But if it would be cut like Orla or Klaim and it would still be the same, then it makes no difference if it's a barrier at this point. So Reb Chaim had asked on that that the Rambam applies the laws of barrier also to Nevela, but Nevela doesn't lose its status when it's cut. So now Rab Chaim explains that when the Rambam applies the rules of Beria to Nevela, he doesn't mean specifically that it would lose its status after it was cut, because that's not true. He means that there's another form of a Beria. It's not the classic idea that it's a full unit, but rather it means if it's in its organic natural state, then it creates a combination. So that's what the Rambam is trying to apply when it comes to Nevela, that if it's in the state in which it would have become a Nevela, then we can apply this combination and include the bones with the meat for the Kazayis. But once it's been separated into a piece, so it would not have become a Nevela, that's already too much of a change, and it does not create a combination anymore between the meat and the bones. And in fact, says Rab Chaim, that this is even the explanation of Abraham in Hachai, because an Abraham in Hachai is cut off of the animal. So it's not a classic barrier in the sense that it's a full unit. It's a section of a larger animal. So why are we calling it a barrier? So it means with regard to these halachas of combining the meat and the bones, there we consider it a barrier because it's in its natural state. So long as it hasn't been tampered with, then we can combine the meat and the bones. So accordingly, that would be how the Rambam's approach makes sense of when we apply the concept of barrier and when we don't. The Rambam has a distinction between if it's in its natural state, then halachically we're able to combine the meat and the bones towards the kazayis. But once it's been tampered with, then we don't count the bones towards the kazayis. And that would apply to Abraham and Hachai and to Nevela. So that's why the Rambam creates a similarity between those two halachas. So in sum, this is Rab Chaim's first approach in the Rambam. And the key points are that the Rambam holds, even after the Abraham and Hachai is cut, it's still an Abraham and Hachai, unlike Tosvos. The only issue is which parts of the Abraham and Hachai combine to count towards the Kazayis. And the Rambam's answer is that the Beria creates a combination of the meat and the bones, not that the bones are actually prohibited, but that they count towards the kazayis. And the Rambam applies that same model also to Nevela. And the meaning of Beria in this case is a little different than the classical meaning of a full unit. Here it doesn't mean so much full, so much as that it's in its original state, and therefore the meat and the bones, it makes sense to combine them towards the kazayis. So that would explain the Shittas Rambam why he differentiates between a full bird, which is in Nevela, where the bones also count towards the kazayas, versus just a piece of meat, which is in Nevela, where only the meat counts towards the kazayas. But, as is Rab Chaim's way, he questions this approach, because it's predicated on his chiddish, 
that a nevela only applies to a full animal, not to a piece of an animal. And he proved that because the Rambam said that meat which is cut from an animal is considered a trefa, not a nevela. And the reason Rab Chaim said is because it's only a part of an animal, it's not the full thing. Says Rab Chaim that this approach is not mochrach. There are other ways to explain why a piece of meat is considered a trefa and not a nevela. And Rab Chaim says that it could be a nevela is only if the animal died. That's the essence of a nevela. But if the meat comes off of the animal in any other way, it's not considered a nevela, even though it's now a dead piece of meat, it's off of the living animal. But so long as it wasn't there when the animal died, it's not considered a nevela, and that's why it's considered a trefa. And in fact, says Rab Chaim, it sounds like that in the Rambam, because he says, when he's explaining why the piece of meat is considered a trefa, not a nevela, because this meat comes from an animal which was not shechted and it did not die. So it sounds like the reason why it's not a nevela is because it was not in an animal which died, and that's the essential definition of a nevela, that the animal died without shechita. So if so, there is no proof to Rab Chaim's idea that a nevela has to be on a full animal and not on a piece of an animal. Because the way he's saying it now, a nevela could be on a piece of an animal, it's just Technically, there's a problem. You're not going to find a situation where a piece of an animal comes from a dead animal which died. So that's a technical issue, though. But it doesn't mean that the definition of a nevela only applies to a full animal, not a piece of an animal. And if even a piece of an animal could be a nevela, that would negate Rab Chaim's idea before that once the piece is cut off from the larger animal, then it's no longer in the natural state of becoming a nevela and it can't combine the meat and the bones together. But Rab Chaim points out that this issue he's raising now is only a question according to the last point he made in the first approach which is that the Rambam doesn't hold that you need the classic concept of a beria in order to combine the meat and the bones, but rather he's talking about a little bit of a different concept, which is that it's in its natural state. So according to that, this is a question, why can't even a piece of nevela combine the meat and the bones? Because as Rab Chaim just said, a piece of a nevela is also considered a nevela. But says Rab Chaim, if we backtrack on the last point in his approach in the Rambam, and we say that the word beria in this context means the classical traditional definition of a beria, that it's a full unit, then his approach in the Rambam will still work despite the fact that a nevela of applies even to a piece of an animal, not just the whole animal. And the reason this works now is because Rab Chaim says, if we need a traditional barrier, in this case a full unit, so then even though theoretically the halachas of nevela apply even to a piece of an animal, but practically there's no such thing as a nevela on a piece of an animal because a nevela, the essence, the definition of it is that the animal died without shechita and that only applies to a full animal. It's never going to apply practically. There's no case where a half an animal would be able to die like that. So if we're evaluating what's considered a beria with regard to nevela in the traditional meaning of a beria, a full unit, so then we would look at the practical, not the theoretical. 
And practically, only a full animal can become a nevela, so therefore the beria for a nevela would be a full animal. So this would be the key difference between whether beria means the classical meaning of a full unit versus Rab Chaim's proposal that it means in the natural state. Do we look at the theoretical concept of nevela, which applies also to a piece of an animal? Or do we look at practically what's in a vela, which only applies to a full animal because only a full animal can die? And the essential definition of an vela is that it died without shrita. So if we say that the Rambam requires a beria, meaning a full unit, then Rab Chaim's approach in the Rambam will work that there is a distinction between a full animal which becomes a nevela versus a piece of a nevela because practically only a full animal is a, considered a beria with regards to nevela because only a full animal can practically become a nevela. Now, the one lingering question, of course, is going to be how can the Rambam apply the concept of Beria to a Nevela when the criteria of applying the rules of Beria, the Rishonim say, is only if it would be cut, it would lose its status. So that's why the Beria is significant. But Nevela, even if it's cut, it's still a Nevela. This was the whole issue originally, which pushed Rab Chaim to redefine Beria. So because he's defining Beria traditionally, Rab Chaim gives another answer, which is the Rambam holds that the moment that's significant in whether or not this food would be cut and lose its status is the first moment when it becomes usser. It's not relevant whether afterwards, if it's cut, it still retains its status. The question is, when it first became usser, at that moment, if it had been cut, would it have become this Easter? So when it comes to Nevela, it is considered a beria because only the full animal becomes a nevela. If a piece had been cut off, it would not be part of the nevela. So we look at the first moment when it became usser, and we say that the cutting would have affected it, and therefore it's considered a beria, even though now that it's all a nevela, cutting it won't change the status. So the Rambam agrees with the basic approach that if it's cut, it, it retains its status. It's not a beria, but According to the Ramam, that's only at the moment when it's becoming usser, not forevermore, even after it's already usser. And Rab Chaim adds that if what he said originally in the first approach of the Rambam is correct, that a nevela, not only practically, but even theoretically, the whole concept of nevela only applies to a full animal, not a piece of an animal, then certainly that would make sense even more so that the Rambam holds that nevela is considered a beria, even though once it's a nevela, if it's cut, it doesn't lose its status, but the whole essence of an Avela is that it was a full animal when it became an Avela. So that would be considered a beria. Again, working with Rab Chaim's idea that the Rambam holds the key determining moment is when it became Usr, not after that. So this is Rab Chaim's approach, and this explains why the Rambam holds that if someone eats a full animal, which is an Avela, then the bones also combine to be part of the Kazayas. Now, Reb Chaim asks on the Rambam that Digmar and Chulan and Davkuf Beis Amud Beis quotes that Rav said if someone ate a kosher living bird, they ate the whole thing, then Bekolshehu, even if they eat less than a kazayis, they still get punished. But if the bird is dead, then it has to be a kazayis. And if it's a non-kosher bird, then whether it's alive, whether it's dead, it could be any amount. The Gemara there explains that when Rav said that the kosher living bird is kolshehu, even less than a kazayis, any amount, 
it means with a mashahu of basar, just a little bit of meat, and gidin and atzamos, also the bones and the veins. Meaning there is a kazayas, it's just combined between the meat and the bones. So if so, the implication is that when Rav said that for a dead bird, it has to have a kazayas, it means a kazayas of the meat alone. And Rav is also talking about where the person ate the whole thing. So it's a beria because that's why for a non-kosher bird, they get punished for any amount. So this goes explicitly against what the Rambam said, that if someone eats a full dead bird, the meat and the bones combine, but the Gemara seems to be saying that there has to be a kazayas of meat alone. The bones do not combine in that case. And right after that in the Gemara there, it quotes a brysa. If someone took a live bird, which doesn't have a kazayas, and they ate it, so there's a machlokas, Rebbe holds that they're putter in that case, and Rebbe Lezabra Shimon holds that they're chayiv. But the Brisa says that if the person killed the bird, they strangle it, and then they eat it, so then everyone would agree that there has to be a kazayas. Once it's a dead bird, it has to have a kazayas. So the Gemara explains that Rebbe and Rebbe Lezabra Shimon are disagreeing about whether or not uh, a living bird is le'evarim omedis. We view it as if each limb is separated already or not. So that's why they have a machlokas, whether if someone ate the full bird, it's still a violation of Eber min hachai, or a living bird is considered a unit, it's not Eber min hachai. But the Gemara says, kazayis. If you would eat an actual Eber min hachai, then it certainly would not need a kazayis. And the Gemara says that Rav Nachman said again, it's talking about a little bit of meat combined with the bones and the veins, that is a kazayas. So uh, you have to eat a kazayas in order to be punished, but the bones and the meat combined. Then the Gemara asks, is there such a bird where there's so little meat that in the whole bird there isn't a kazayas of meat, but in one limb there would be a kazayas with the meat together with the bones. So the Gemara answers, yeah, Rav Sharvia said that there's something called a kalanisa, some type of bird which has those dimensions. So it's clear in this Gemara that if it would be a living bird, then it would have to have a kazayas of both meat and bones together. But if it would be a dead bird, then it would require a kazayas from the meat alone. So that, again, seems to go explicitly against the Rambam. So Rab Chaim answers that the Rambam holds that there's a basic distinction between a live bird and a dead bird because the live bird is a prohibition of Eber Min HaChai. So that applies to one limb. So when we say that we need a beria in order to combine the meat with the bones, it only has to be a beria of one limb. Even if the rest of the animal has been chopped up and tampered with, so long as that one limb is in its state, it's a beria, then it would combine the meat and the bones of that limb. But when it comes to the dead bird, the whole thing has to be the beria. If any part of it's been removed or cut, then it would no longer be a beria and the bones would not combine with the meat. So if so, the Rambam could read this Gemara with Rav that the case is where one limb is a beria, but the rest of it has been cut up. That's why when it comes to the living animal, that one limb is still a beria, and therefore the bones and the meat combine. But with regard to the dead animal, it's no longer a beria, and therefore the bones don't combine with the meat. And that's why it's different than the Psaka the Rambam, where he's talking about where the whole animal 
animal has not been tampered with and it's still a barrier and therefore the bones do combine with the meat. So that would be a simple distinction between the Rambam's case and the Gemara's case. But the problem is, says Rab Chaim, Rav explicitly said that if it's a non-kosher bird, then you don't need a kazayas of meat. You can combine the bones with the meat. So that must be talking about a case where it's a barrier, meaning the whole thing hasn't been tampered with. And if so, we're back to our question. So how is the Rambam going to read that Gemara as talking about where the bird has been tampered with when Rav said that if it's a non-kosher bird, it's still a barrier and the bones and the meat combine? So Reb Chaim says a very creative answer, which is that there's a basic distinction between a non-kosher bird versus an avela, which is a kosher bird which died without shechita. And it's possible to be a baria with regard to the non-kosher bird and still not be considered a baria for the kosher bird. And that is based on the idea that Rabbi Chaim said before, which he seemed to move away from, but now he's coming back to it. And that is that when the Rambam applies the concept of baria to an avela, he does not mean a traditional baria, that it's a full unit, but rather he means that it's in its natural state. Rabbi Chaim labels each of the meanings that the traditional one is a baria, it's a full unit. And his modified approach he calls kibriyasa as it was created. So if it's in the original state that it was created and in which it became prohibited, then it has certain halachas that it combines the meat and the bones together. So when it comes to a non-kosher bird, it has to have a barrier. It has to be a full unit. But when it comes to nevela, the full unit is not as important. Again, this was Rab Chaim's first approach, but it has to be kibriyasa. It has to be the way that naturally the bones and the meat were in the animal. Now, the difference between these two categories is going to be in a case where it has the tsuras habria aleha. It looks the shape of the original unit, but it's not connected fully in a halachic way where we see all these different components as being unified. So in such a case, it is going to be considered a barrier because it has the shape and the form of a full unit, but it's not going to be considered kibriyasa. It can't combine the meat and the bones or whatever other parts are in this form. It doesn't combine them together because it doesn't have that power to unify the whole thing. So in that situation, it would be a barrier with regard to the non-kosher bird, but it would not be a barrier with regard to the kosher bird. And it could be the Rambam read that the Gemara in Hulin is talking about exactly that case, where it has the shape of the barrier, but practically the different parts are not combined. So when it comes to the non-kosher bird, where we require a barrier, it has it. And since someone ate a full unit, they would be punished even if the kazayas includes both meat and bones. But when it comes to the kosher bird, it has to be kibriyasa, it has to combine the bones with the meat, and that won't be sufficient, so a person wouldn't get punished unless there is a kazayas in the meat alone. Again, this would not be a problem for the Rambam because the Rambam's case is different than the Gemara's case where the bird was not tampered with at all. So in that case, the bones combine with the meat, even for a dead kosher bird to all be part of the kazayas. So according to Rab Chaim's distinction between a classical barrier versus his case of Kibriyasa, where it's in its natural state, so we could explain how the Rambam read the Gemara in Chulin, which seems to go against his psaq. 
Now, at the end, Rab Chaim points out that this is all the Shitas HaRambam, but he says many we shown him, including Rashi and Tosos and Chul and Davkov Beis, hold that when it comes to Nevela, the bones never combine with the meat to be part of the Kazais, even if the person ate the whole thing. So it's a barrier. So Rab Chaim wants to understand why do Rashi and Tosos not apply the concept of barrier to the case of Nevela the way the Rambam does. So he explains that it could be that Rashi and Tosvos also agree with his approach in the Rambam, that there is a concept of barrier when it comes to Nevela. We don't say that even if it was cut, it would still be a Nevela, so the concept of barrier doesn't apply, but rather because in order to become a Nevela, it has to have a barrier, so the concept of barrier does apply to a Nevela. Why then do they not apply it to, in order to combine the bones with the meat to create the kazayas. So Rab Chaim says they hold that beria, when it comes to nevela, does not affect the combination of the bones with the meat. And according to Tosvos, this would make very good sense because as we saw before, Tosvos holds that an Eber Min Hachai, which is split up, loses its status of Eber Min Hachai. He has that fundamental machlokas with the Rambam. So this would be Tosos L'shitosam. You can't extrapolate from Eber Min Hachai to Nevela. In other words, the Rambam got the concept of Beria from Eber Min Hachai and he applied it to the case of Nevela. But according to Tosos, that equation doesn't work because there's a major distinction between Eber Min Hachai and Nevela in that Eber Min Hachai is only usur if it hasn't been cut. Once it's cut, it loses the whole status. So that's why beria is a key concept in Eber Minachai, and it can combine the bones with the meat. But that doesn't apply to Nevela, where if it's cut, it's still a Nevela. So since it's so different than Eber Minachai, we can't apply the concept of beria from Eber Minachai to Nevela. And therefore, we have no reason to say that the meat and the bones of a Nevela could ever be combined. So that explains Tosvos, why he disagrees with the Rambam. And again, it's Lashitosam of how they view Eber Minachai. But even according to Rashi, who holds on Dafkuf Gimel Amad Beis, like the Rambam, that an Eber Minachai, which is cut, is still an Eber Minachai. It doesn't lose that status. And the issue of the Eber Minachai, which is cut, is whether or not we can combine the bones and the meat, same as the Rambam. So why doesn't Rashi apply this whole model also to Nevela, the way the Rambam did? So Rab Chaim says that even Rashi holds that there's a key difference between Eber Minachai and Nevela, which is that it's true Rashi agrees that the Eber Minachai, after it's been removed from the living animal, if it's then cut, doesn't lose the status of an Eber Min Hachai. But the original creation of an Eber Min Hachai always has to be with the meat and the bones all together. That is what it means to have an Eber Min Hachai, a limb from a living animal, that it has those meat and bones together the way they were originally created. Whereas just meat alone from a living animal would not be considered Eber Min Hachai. So the concept of Beria is built in intrinsically to the concept of Eber Min Hachai, which is different than Nevela, where even though, as we said, you have to have a full animal in order to become a Nevela, but that's only with regard to becoming the Nevela. But the status of the Isur goes on each part of the Nevela separately. So even the meat separate from the bones is a Nevela in and of itself. So that's why it's very different than Eber Min Hachai, where the status only goes on everything together. But when it comes to Nevela, you just need a full animal in order for it to 
to become a nevela. But the isor is on each part of the animal, and the meat is itself a nevela, regardless of the bones. So that's why the concept of burial, when it comes to nevela, does not create a combination of the bones with the meat, according to Rashi, because it's not built into the concept of a beria in Hilchos nevela that it combines meat and bone. So that's the key distinction Rabbi Chaim explains, according to Rashi, that Eber Min HaChai, the whole concept of beria is that it creates a combination between the meat and the bones, and that's what gives it the status of the Eber Min HaChai. But when it comes to Nevela, the concept of Beria does not imply any connection whatsoever between the meat and the bones, and therefore we don't use it to say that the bones could count towards the Kazayas of the Nevela. And so this is what the Rambam disagrees with, and he holds that, no, once we see that a Nevela requires a Beria, so then we apply the same model as Abraham and Hachai, and we say that when it comes to Nevela, the meat and the bones are also combined to count towards the kazayas. But really everyone, Rashi, Tosus, the Rambam, they all agree that only a full animal, a full unit, a beria, could get the status of a nevela. The question is, do we extrapolate from there to Eber Min Hachai, or is there some key difference between nevela and Eber Min Hachai, as both Rashi and Tosvos hold? So that's Rab Chaim's piece. Uh, obviously, it's a very long and difficult piece. So if you're still with us, give yourself a pat on the back. But also a huge amount of insights, a lot of lumdis into a number of key concepts in halacha. And uh, Rab Chaim has a very nice approach to explain the Rambam's psak with regard to beria being applied to a nevela. So I'm just going to run through some of the key points in this piece. Number one, Rab Chaim says that when the Rambam says that a live bird could be a problem of nevela, generally nevela is a dead animal, so he explains that he's talking about a very specific case, which he already referenced in Helchoshchita, that there are some animals which could be a nevela even though they're alive. So that's the reference in this halacha in the Rambam. The key point the Rambam is trying to teach us, says Rab Chaim, is that there's a difference between a living baria versus a dead baria. When it comes to a living baria, you can punish someone even if they don't have any shear. There's no minimum measurement whatsoever. But when it comes to a dead baria, there does still have to be a shear. Just everything, including the bones, also counts towards that shear. Now, this distinction is explained by Rab Chaim's son, Rab Velvel, in his Chidushim on Nazir Dafnun Alephom Beis. He explains that there's a fundamental difference conceptually between a living baria, where the reason it's significant is because it has chashivos, the fact that it's alive makes it prominent. So therefore, there's no obligation of a shear at all. It overrides any requirement to have a measurement because the very fact that it's a living barrier, so it has some prominence, negates the need for a measurement. A measurement is in order to give some prominence, and this already has it. As opposed to a dead barrier, the conceptual idea is not that it's prominent, but rather the Torah said that a full unit is prohibited. So in that situation, there still needs to be a shear because when the Torah prohibits things, it's with a measurement, but the shear is going to include any part of that unit. So that's the deeper explanation as to why there's a fundamental difference that a living barrier doesn't require a measurement and a dead barrier still requires a measurement, but every part of the unit counts towards that kazayas. 
Second of all, in the parentheses, Rab Chaim discusses that Gid Hanosha and Abraham Hachai, although they also have the halachas of Beria applied to them, but the equation works out differently. So, for example, with Gid Hanosha, even though it's a non-living Beria, it still does not need a minimum shear. And Rab Chaim explains that all of this has to do with what the baseline prohibition of the Torah is. And based on that, we have to evaluate what the word achila, eating, in the Torah's context is coming to teach us. Is it coming to say that there has to be a minimum measurement to make it a proper act of eating? Or is it coming to tell us that even eating a portion of this prohibited object is still going to be a violation of the Easter? So Rab Chaim makes it all dependent on that equation. Now, the next three points are the key substantive ones in this piece. So Rab Chaim analyzes that there's a mach- locus between Tosos and the Rambam. Tosos holds that once the Eber Min Hachai is cut, it loses the status of the Eber Min Hachai, and the Rambam disagrees. He says that even if it's cut, it's still Eber Min Hachai, but the bones no longer combine with the meat to be part of the Kazayas. So Reb Chaim makes the point, we'll call this point number three, how do we view the idea that a beria makes the bones part of the Kazayas? Do we say that there's a special exception for Abram in Hachai, that the bones are also usser, unlike other meat-related prohibitions, which are only on the meat, not on the bones? Or do we say that the bones are not usser, but the fact that it's part of a beria means that there's a unification and the bones are part of the meat to be counted towards the kazayas, even though the bones themselves are inherently not prohibited. And Rab Chaim proves from the Rambam like this second option. So according to Rab Chaim, the point of applying a beria to the halachas of Abraham in Hachai to make the bones part of the kazayas is that once you apply beria, it creates a unified unit and everything in that counts towards being part of the Kazayas. Meaning that since the Torah said that this unit is prohibited, and it's in its natural state, Rab Chaim refers to it as Kibri Yaso, which is even a little bit of a different idea than a Beria. It means that it's in its natural state. So the Torah prohibited anything which contributes towards that object becoming what it is. And the bones certainly contribute to it becoming an Eber Min Hachai. So that's why the bones are included in the Shior, because it's part of the overall context of what the Torah prohibited. We can't separate anymore between the bones and the meat. And now this leads to two related points. One is that since this is not a special halacha in Eber Min Hachai, it's a broader halacha that has to do with when something is a beria, then the bones are also part of this object, and so they are part of the shear along with the meat. So based on this conceptual understanding, the Rambam applied these halachas also to nevela, and he said that if a nevela is a beria, then the bones would count along with the meat towards the kazayas. So it was the Rambam's conceptual understanding of these rules in Abraham and Hachai that led him to apply them to Nevela. And uh, also, relatedly, Rab Chaim says that the Rambam redefined a beria a little bit, that it doesn't mean that it's a full unit, because that definition 
would not technically apply to Nevela, since the Rishonim say that if you cut something and it retains its status, then the concept of Beria is not applicable to it. So Nevela is a situation where even if you cut it, it's still a Nevela. So Rab Chaim says the Rambam slightly redefined Beria to mean Kibriyasa, as we just said, that it's in the natural state. There still is this unification between the bones and the meat. They're all part of this object which the Torah prohibited. So that's why a Nevela does have the concept of Beria applied to it. Now, putting all of these positions together, so Rab Chaim makes sense of the Rambam's psak with regard to applying a Beria to a Nevela. But in addition, he adds in one more big Chiddush, which is slightly less central to this discussion, but touches very much on the whole issue of how a Beria can be applied to a nevela, and that is what is the defining feature of a nevela that it can only be on a full animal. So Reb Chaim suggests two approaches. First, he suggests that a nevela can only be on a full animal. Anything else, if it's on a partial animal, then it would be considered a trefa, which is generally a little bit of a different concept that an animal was shechted, but it was injured, so the shechita was not valid. So Rab Chaim says any time that there's a partial nevela, that's considered a trefa. And then he backs away from that a little bit and he suggests instead that the essence of nevela means that it died without shrita. So that practically can only be done for a full animal. The animal has to die, but a partial animal, a piece of an animal doesn't have that death status. So therefore it can't be a nevela. So that would be, if we're keeping count, I guess, theme six. And then finally, the last theme, we'll call it theme seven, that Rab Chaim touches on, is a very fascinating distinction between Aver Min Hachai and Nevela. And according to Rashi and Tosos, he points out that they disagree with what we said in the Rambam, that he applies the concept of Beria from Aver Min Hachai to Nevela, but the Rashi and Tosos don't do that. And uh, Rab Chaim explains in Tosos it's simple because they hold, as we said, that an Aver Min Hachai, which is cut, is no longer an Aver Min Hachai. So the concept of Beria is fundamental to Aver Min Hachai in a way that it's not to Nevela, which even if it's cut, it retains its status as a nevela. But according to Rashi, he agrees with the Rambam's overall approach that a cut Eber Minachai is still Eber Minachai, just the bones won't combine with the meat. So why doesn't Rashi borrow the concept of Beria from Eber Minachai and apply it to nevela? So Rab Chaim explains that there's still a distinction because when it comes to Eber Minachai, the status of the Isur is on the whole thing together. So the concept of Beria is very fundamental in that case. But when it comes to Nevela, even though it needs to be a Beria, a full animal, in order to become a Nevela, but the status of the Isur is on every part of the animal independently. So the concept of Beria is less fundamental. So at the end of the day, there's three major shitas in the Rishonim, according to Rab Chaim, as to how to view the relationship between Beria in Helchos Eber Min Hachai as compared to Beria in Nevela. Tosvos holds that they can't be compared because Eber Min Hachai, which is cut, is no longer Eber Min Hachai, so every Eber Min Hachai has to be a Beria, but that's unrelated to Nevela, where if it's cut, it's still a Nevela, and therefore the idea of Beria shouldn't be applied to Eber Min Hachai. Rashi holds that the concept of Beria is central to Eber Min Hachai, not because every Eber Min Hachai is a Beria, but because every Eber Min Hachai starts off 
as an Esor on a barrier. The definition of the prohibition of Abraham and Achai is that this whole barrier is prohibited. Whereas when it comes to Nevela, even though the prohibition starts off on a barrier, but the Esor itself, the status is taken by each independent part. So that's why it's less central when it comes to Nevela. And finally, the Rambam holds that we can learn out from Abraham and Hachai to Nevela, and that is if we understand the underlying concept of what a barrier does for Abraham and Hachai, then according to the Rambam, it doesn't say that there's any difference in the Esor of Abraham and Hachai with anything else, but it teaches us that it's able to combine the different parts of the animal, the bones and the meat together. And the reason for that is because the Torah prohibited this limb. So anything which goes into making it this limb is going to be part of the prohibition, even if it itself is not prohibited. So based on that, the Rambam says that in those circumstances in Hilchos Nevela, where the concept of beria is going to apply, then it's also going to combine the bones with the meat for the same reason, because the bones are now part of what's going into making this what the Torah prohibited, so they would count for the shear too. So those are some of the major insights that Rab Chaim comes out with in regard to Hilchos Abram and Achai, Hilchos Beria, Hilchos Nevela, and all of it is precipitated in order to explain why the Rambam holds that when it comes to Nevela, if someone eats the full animal, it's a full beria, then the bones count together with the meat. But if they just eat one piece of an Avela, something that was cut off of the animal, then the bones don't count with the meat towards the shear of a kazaya. So something that most of us would have probably thought is a very technical idea and maybe gone through a bit more quickly. Reb Chaim shows us the, uh, his amazing ability to pull out profundity from these halachas. You coming to bed, hon? Yep, honey, I'll be right there. Just got to turn out the light. Ow! Ow! Some things never change, like your kids always leaving tiny toys on the floor for you to step on, and Geico saving folks lots of money on their car insurance. Sweetie, I think I left the downstairs light on. Please don't make me go. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more.